Alright guys, this is Doc O'Donnell from Dirty Noir, um, and you're listening to the Filthy Boys at Booked Podcast. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snedden. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little different this episode as we're going to be talking about two uh, separate great collections of short stories, Cien Fuegos by Chris Deal and Unaccustomed Mercy by D.B. Cox. Okay, we're going to kick it off by talking about Cien Fuegos by Chris Deal. Chris Deal, we talked briefly about Cien Fuegos uh, on previous episodes. We had Chris on uh, for an interview when we did the Warmed and Bound sessions, and then also just recently when we talked about the uh, the great Craig Walwick story, Revenge of the Zombie Pussy Eaters. So tonight we're just going to go into a little more detail about Cien Fuegos itself. A little bit about Chris Deal, the author. Chris Deal is a writer from North Carolina. His debut collection of short stories, which we're going to be talking about tonight, Cien Fuegos, was originally published in 2010 by Brown Paper Publishing and was recently re-released by Kuboa Press. He has published a few poems and other short stories around, uh, and his website, www.chris-deal.com, often goes unupdated for months. I could testify to that. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It's not just window dressing. It actually does yeah, go un- unupdated for months. Yep. Um, Cien Fuegos is uh, 46 uh, pages that contain 37 stories that each fit um, one per page. And it is microfiction um, at its finest as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deal definitely has a, uh, a talent for these really, really short, tightly packed stories. How do you want to go about this? We can talk a little bit about the what we're going to say. Well, the history of the book, too, is um, is kind of interesting, as almost all of those were entered in a contest against you on the Velvet. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Back in uh, a couple years ago, uh, Richard Thomas on the Velvet had uh, done just like a little you know, a forum contest for people to put a bunch of microfiction on this uh, this thread in the forum, and then he was giving away books, certain books as prizes and stuff. And Chris won, uh, not only because of the quality of the stories, but I'd have to say in part because he was probably 75% of the entries as well. So well, I think he took like first through 12th place. He really did, yeah. I didn't, along those lines. I didn't have a prayer. Chris, uh, Chris just overwhelmed everybody with the, uh, the quantity and quality of what he was putting on that page. Let's talk a little bit about just microfiction for anybody who's not familiar with it. I don't have like a standard definition for it, but it typically falls as stories in the 100, 150 word range. That's trying to put together not just a coherent thought, but to communicate some type of story in, you know, in less words than we've spoken since we started this episode. Yeah. And yeah, it's one of those very loosely defined categories and, and you, depending on who you talk to some people will say anything under a thousand words um you know other people will say there's specific formats that need to be followed like kind of the same way that haikus are um but the general idea is you have to pack a full story into you know at most a couple paragraphs and uh mr deal does just that i think we can kind of jump into uh talking about a few of those stories what do you think yeah, Livius and I both chose a few of our, our favorite stories 
to talk about. Some just because we thought the format was interesting, others because the stories were were great. So um, I'm going to let you kick it off, Lobius, because I was <laughs> such a note hog. I, <laughs> I want to give you give you as much glory as I can. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this really really backwards. And uh, one of my favorite stories um, is called Cataclysm, and it is the uh, uh, the perfect story to end the collection. I think uh, as we may talk a little bit, kind of looking at the notes here, maybe we won't it won't necessarily come up in um, in a lot of the other stories. But man, Chris Deal loves the apocalypse. There is a lot of apocalyptic, um, post apocalyptic or close to apocalyptic stories, um, in this and cataclysm is exactly one of those. Unfortunately, we're not going to talk a whole lot about them because saying that again, I've spoken more than, you know, the number of words that are actually in the story, but a very, very good, uh, book ender, my opinion. Oh, for sure. Do you want to go back and forth or do you just want to ramble off yours sure. and then look at Yeah, no, go. Let's go back and forth. Okay. The first one I'm going to mention is Dia de los Muertos, which is uh, it's a quick little <laughs> fun zombie story, which I like because the basic idea of it is that um, Americans are fleeing from, uh, you know, over the border into Mexico to get away from a zombie apocalypse. So it's just a, a clever little juxtaposition about uh, border crossing and stuff. And obviously it's cool because it has zombies, too. <laughs> Probably told you the whole story, but uh, the thing—it's it, so funny because there's this zombie apocalypse going on, and everybody in Mexico is more worried about handling all the gringos that are coming down than they are about the zombies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably the lightest-hearted story in in the collection, and and just yeah, really funny when you really sit down and think about you know the the irony there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my next one, and again, not a whole lot to say about this, as it probably clocks in, you know, around a hundred words, is uh, is called Plain Song, and it is just a absolutely ridiculous piece of writing that um, uses the letter P um, in just about every word. I mean, you know, taking out the ofs and the thes, everything else is uh, is the letter P. Um, really fun to read. Really fun to read out loud. But I won't uh, I won't take away uh, Mister Deal's writing by uh, by reading any of his stories. Okay, the next one I have, uh, I'm doing this in a specific order because uh, Livius also has it once, so we can talk about it back to back. But uh, there's a story called Concerning a Dream, which is basically a quick little story about a woman uh, who is recalling a dream she had where she has an, an encounter with the devil. And um, I just liked it because it was very simple and um, the way that it, it analyzes the vulnerabilities that we have as people. So uh, really quick and just yeah, a really cool story. The thing I really liked about it is we spent a lot of time talking about how real a story can feel. And that one being about a dream was so very dreamlike that Deal actually captured, in my opinion, just the how real a dream. Mm, that's not <laughs> what I mean to say. <laughs> He captured a perfect dream state. I mean, if reading that story, I think everybody could reflect back and think of a dream that was, you know, as silly as that one, which makes it so real as a dream yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just great. And again, uh, this is a guy that takes a very small number of words and does a whole lot with them. Um, it, it's impressive to see. Uh, I mean, Livius and I could probably talk for five or ten minutes about a story that's, you know, probably as long as the deal bio that I, that I read out. So that's a testament to how good these things are. Absolutely. And that's, you know, before you go on the next story, 
the the great thing about this is that literally you could you could read this over lunch and then you could read it again two or three months later and just enjoy it because I we I read it we both read it right before we interviewed um, Chris back in July and uh, I reread it again for this episode again it takes up very very little time in the reading but um, just as good as the first time around easily for sure got anything else about concerning a dream nope. Sounds good. I'm going to go with my last one, which is illusions. And if anybody hasn't listened to our episode where we interview Chris Deal, we talk a bit about it there. Illusions is a cool story because the story, um, the first sentence in the story starts kind of in the middle of a sentence. And then um, the end of the story, the final sentence, well, I guess I should say it's only one sentence because there's no real punctuation besides commas and stuff. So uh, it starts out in the middle of a sentence and it ends in the middle of a sentence. And the ending of the middle of a sentence can be picked up at the, at the beginning of the sentence. So it's, it's a, in a way, it's almost an infinite story. You can just keep going around and around and around. I thought that was a really cool way of, again, taking someone, something that is by definition very small and making it almost limitless in size. It was a really cool trick of words um, that he used there. In addition to that, the fact that there's no punctuation makes it feel kind of hurried because you're never you're never getting those pauses in the, in between sentences. But the way that he writes the words really kind of moderates that pace a bit. And uh, one of the quotes that I really liked in there. Uh, it, this is kind of just in the middle of a sentence, but uh, she whispered, the wolf may lose his skin, but not his vices. So uh, that's, if you had to ask me what my favorite story in the entire collection was, I'd say that one is just very, very clever and uh, good use of words. I'm right with you on that being my favorite story in the collection. I think, again, we both mentioned it on the on the interview episode. But, uh, you know, something you just said made me think of something else. So he has this story. There's no punctuation, and it goes on forever. I think that makes him David Foster Wallace. Oh. <laughs> wow. Touche, sir. I didn't see you going there. <laughs> it wasn't planned. Like I said, I was just listening to you, and you're like, you're right. There's no punctuation. It's it's a looping story that goes on and on and on. And I thought, man, we read something like that. What was that? Oh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is originally when we were talking to Chris about it, I didn't realize that I didn't really, I hadn't analyzed the story too deeply and I sure I still haven't, but um, I didn't realize that it was essentially one never ending sentence. I mean, there's seven commas in the entire thing. And otherwise it's just word after word. And, um, and so that whole idea of it being a looping kind of story is even more, I guess, even more so that there's not even like individual sentences. And, and when we interviewed Deal about it, and I mentioned that, he hadn't even thought of that. So, um, Or at least that's what he said. So I thought, yeah, it's just it's a really great little piece. I don't know if that's the one that won him uh, the little Richard Thomas contest or not, but uh, it, it should be if it wasn't. The little Richard <laughs> Thomas contest. I didn't mean to make it sound like it. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> um. So as, as Rob mentioned, um, one of the reasons we're covering Cienfuegos now is it was um, unavailable for some time as the um, original press that released it um, closed its doors. But it was recently re-released by uh, Kuboa. Am I saying that right? Kuboa Press? Kuboa Press. And the nice thing about Kuboa Press is that they published all of their books in print and then there's free ebook versions of all its titles. So if you're not really sure um, that you want the sitting on your coffee table... 
Um, I'm telling you, you need it there. It's great. And I think that anybody that picks it up, you know, is really going to enjoy it. But you can uh, get kind of like the free sneak preview at kuboapress.wordpress.com, which I think is really, really cool because who gives you anything for free anymore? Yeah, I was checking out Kuboa Press's website earlier today um, because we always do our notes at the very last minute. And I actually clicked over onto the submission guidelines and stuff that they have. And one of the things that they very clearly express in the submission guidelines is that you would, if you're submitting something, you're agreeing to allow it to be available for free as an ebook. So that's something that they feel obviously feel very strongly about if they're warning authors about this before they even submit to them. I think that's really, I think, I just think that's really cool. The availability of stuff is, it's fantastic. And don't forget, if you read something free and you enjoy it, support that author by the actual book. That's right. Kuboa Press is also doing Craig Walwork's next release too, aren't they? Not what came up on their episode? I think they are. Yeah, Eddie Rathke, I think, has something coming out too. They were talking about that. Um, but yeah, I did, on the website, there's not any kind of like coming soon, so so I don't know exactly what they have or when it's coming out. But yeah, that's what Amanda and Chris were saying, and they're in that little you know group that talks about everything together. All right, sorry. <laughs> All right. So yeah, definitely check out uh, Chris Deal. Uh, obviously, seen Fuegos through Kuboa Press, like we mentioned. You can also find Deal's story uh, that we talked about a little bit before in the Warmed and Bound anthology, and you can find a story that he's got in the upcoming anthology by Thunderdome, which is called In Search of a City, Los Angeles in a Thousand Words. That anthology also includes uh, Amanda Gowan and a handful of other people from the Velvet that we've uh, talked with in the past, so it should be a pretty exciting thing to pick up. Very cool. And that brings us to our second um, compilation for this episode, Unaccustomed Mercy by D.B. Cox. D.B. Cox is a blues musician and writer from Lawrence, South Carolina. He served in the United States Marine Corps from 1968 to 1972. His poems and short stories have been published extensively in the small press in the U.S. and abroad. This collection of short stories originally came to us again when we were doing our Warmed and Bound sessions earlier in the year first mentioned by Chris Deal when we were talking to him and we asked him we asked all the authors you know what they would recommend that we should keep on our radar because um you know it just helps us to get like kind of a wider net uh to to catch cool things like this and if we hadn't asked we wouldn't heard about it so Chris Deal mentioned it and then later on Pela Via talked about it as well when she was on the show so uh you know after hearing so much about it we we slowly got into the the process of bringing it onto the show and we're glad we did because there's a lot of really cool stuff in here very much so. These stories are a little bit longer, although the book itself comes in at 69 pages. I think it's 17 stories over those 69 pages. So not microfiction, but still very, very short. And in at least one case, what I would certainly consider microfiction, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, you know, this is, I don't know how to say this. He writes in such a, a real fashion. And, you know, a lot of these stories you know, concern a, a military veteran or a blues musician. And as you just heard from the, um, from his bio, he is both. So I get the feeling that a lot of this is written from, from personal experience. And it definitely comes across that way on the page as somebody who's lived through some of the things he's writing. For sure. His writing style to me struck me as, uh, <laughs> what our, our good friend Doc O'Donnell would call dirty realism. And I wish I could say it in that kind of like half awake Australian accent. Half you almost awake. had it. it almost. <laughs> accent. The Australian accent. <laughs> 
but yeah, it's just got a very gritty, um, um, life, very realism kind of thing going on. And, um, there's a lot of people down on their luck, haunted by a troubled past, just like the really rough situations of life. And he does it very, very well. We're uh, going to kind of do the same thing we did, uh, with the previous book and we're going to kind of go back and forth on citing a few of the standout stories. Here's the problem. So Rob had some, <laughs> some more time today than I did as he was compiling his notes. So, you know, today I'm thinking through the stories I read and kind of picking out the, the two or three that I really want to talk about. And what happens, I pull up our uh, shared Google doc and there is Rob's notes on exactly <laughs> the three stories that I came up with. So I went ahead and extended out to some, uh, Someone's further than that. But when you're hearing Rob talk about those stories, know that those are the ones I thought of. And I thought of them before he did because I read the book before he did. Well, yeah, I'll, the only thing I can say about that is uh, it's been obvious in certain episodes that my taste and Livia's taste are very, very similar. And so uh, this is just another example of where we we fell in love with the same stories. I mean, they're all really strong stories. But, uh, yeah, I guess these ones really stood out to us. So uh, I guess I'll kick it off with my first one. There's a story called Carrying the Bear. It's a story about a cab driver who, uh, I guess, as a kid wanted to be a pilot, but um, he had this uh, thing. He had a problem with heights, and uh, he ends up becoming a cab driver. And one day he picks up a fare that wants to go to an unusual destination and um, has some unexpected links to the driver. Uh, it's got a really kind of somber feel to it, a little bit creepy in points. Uh, it's got that... It's, Overall, it's kind of a sad story. Uh, it's easy to spoil, so I can't say too much about it. But overall, the way it was written um, in, a, in a short story it still had a lot of surprise to it. And, um, yeah, a lot of emotional weight to it as well. Like That one's very early on. I don't remember if that's, that's not the first story. I know it's very early on in, right. in the collection. And the, the thing is, I thought it was headed in a supernatural direction and it didn't, which was good because I really liked, I really liked the direction he took in that too. But yeah, I, what you, what you called creepy, I kind of felt almost, I don't know, supernatural, mm -hmm. very surreal kind of feel to it. And I really, really liked that story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, before we get too far off the subject of microfiction, because I mentioned it uh, a little bit ago and, and, in kind of in a follow up to Chris Steele, D.B. Cox certainly holds his own with microfiction. The, uh, the the story that finishes off the collection is called The Long Way Home. And again, I'm not going to say a lot because it's very, very short. But it's uh, just kind of this heartbreaking story about aging. And uh, definitely, I think, I think that could have placed in the Richard Thomas contest had that appeared on the, on the velvet in the microfiction category. <laughs> For sure. The next one I got, this may... This is probably the second favorite uh, story for me in the entire collection. It's a story called Bottled in Chicago. And right off the bat, obviously, I identify with it because I'm a big lover of Chicago. But the story is essentially about uh, a blues guitarist named Robert Bro Brown, who played with uh, blues great Howlin' Wolf back in the 50s. And now um, the story makes, it, makes you feel that he, he feels kind of squeezed out by the modern sounds a dwindling appreciation for real blues music and everything. Um, <laughs> and Livius might completely disagree with me about this, but it had that kind of meet at the crossroads deal with the devil sort of feel to it. Like uh, there was this like uh, this change in, in, in what was going on with this guy. And uh, it kind of had that really kind of old timey, you know, what your life is versus what you wish it could be kind of thing. 
going on that I thought was really cool. Um, I didn't get that. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you. It was a, a big shock, <laughs> and I'm not gonna disagree with you. I didn't really think of it that way. Um, I really liked the story for for what it was, and it was somebody, um, you know, as you said, kind of reflecting on where they wish their life was and uh, and where it could possibly be, and that's that's what I really liked about that. But um, again, a story that went in a different direction than than what I expected as I was reading it, and I really really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And a great line uh, from this story. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of graffiti, I believe, that he reads when he's in the club, and it says, "We're still getting the blues," and Clapton's still getting the money. And that's pretty cute. Cute. I didn't say cute. I thought yeah, that was pretty was cool. Gonna, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I thought it was pretty cool too, and probably, and I would imagine I don't know the first thing about the blues, so, uh, but I would imagine that there's probably a little bit of that feeling about uh, that goes around about Eric Clapton. Yeah. Kind of blues, but top forty, kind of at the same time. Yeah, and really, like, he makes a lot of money for what he does. And most of the stuff that he does now, at least, is just playing stuff that was made, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. So I can imagine that that little bit of graffiti is very, very true. Um, the the second story that I wanted to touch on a little bit is called The Ghost in Cell Number 6. And it is uh, an interesting take on it's a prisoner of the government who is enduring torture while uh, the government is looking for information on his revolutionary, uh, on his revolutionary cohorts. And uh, it's just a very, very good look into kind of what this man is willing to go through, just not to give up an ideal, even if it's one that's already been lost. And uh, uh, my one quote I'm going to pull from, from this book comes from there too. My mind is warped in defective daydreams that have become one with the dreamer. My fists are down to the bone from pointless pounding against stone. My heart is wasting away, one burnt-out cell at a time. It continues to beat only because it can. And I thought that was very indicative of the writing style throughout Unaccustomed Mercy. Yeah, it's it's really powerful stuff, and it's stuff that just like grabs you and puts you in the moment. Uh, it's, I guess, the way that I would look at it. All right. The, the third story that I'm going to mention in the last story is probably my favorite in the book. Um, I like it for different reasons than I like Bottled in Chicago. Bottled in Chicago I like is just kind of a, I don't even know. It's got a different feel to it, and I'm, I'm going to have trouble explaining it. Because I'll say something stupid like it was lighthearted, and it's absolutely not, so I'm not going to say that. It was cute. It was pretty it was cute. cute. <laughs> uh, there's a story called Obtaining Mercy, and it's a, a really kind of grim story about... Uh, this shell of a man named Arthur who uh, lives in kind of a skid row, like efficiency and uh, spends all of his time playing his guitar and drinking basically never leaves his room, never sees anybody except for a preacher that comes around, you know, once in a while to, to preach at him and, you know, offer his weird form of salvation and everything. And uh, the story gets interesting because there's a little boy who I guess will listen outside the door when, uh, Arthur's playing his music, and and there's a, an unexpected turn in the relationship between Arthur and this uh, this boy, and it's just really, really well done. And and, and again, something I didn't see coming, but it, it's a really raw look at, at the sadness of of life and and how what one person might 
think is unthinkable another person might find comforting in a way uh, it's tough to explain and i don't want to spoil it but uh it's it's just a really really again emotionally heavy story about things uh, uh people who are, are going through some really rough things yeah you know i'm actually kind of glad you took that one because i wouldn't want to try to explain what that story is about to be really honest with you but again <laughs> very very powerful stuff in that i really really enjoyed it a lot absolutely and for my final one, um, what would it be if uh, I didn't talk about the actual uh, book's namesake, Unaccustomed Mercy? Um, and I'm not going to say a lot about this. Again, it's it's about somebody who's down and out, and uh, they have uh, what what I found to be like that perfect dark cloud, silver lining kind of story where something terrible happens, but it has a, a, an effect that you don't necessarily expect. Um, for the uh, for the protagonist in in that particular story, so unaccustomed mercy, um, the kind of like the real life blessing in disguise type story, more likely than than the ones you see on the you know on the big screen or or whatever. It's more likely what could happen to someone and how their life can change a little bit through something uh, terrible that happens. Yeah, very cool. And all the stories have their good qualities to them. I don't think that there was a story that I read that I didn't like in this collection. I thought they all. Um, brought their own like really good qualities and uh, <laughs> i mean like like i said before when we we're just talking about his writing style it's just this <laughs> this dirty realism and, and that type of writing allows you to not worry about dressing things up you you just get right down to it like the down and dirty the real you know the way life is and it, it db cox did a great job at it from and I debated about saying this because it's just sound really really cheesy, but you know, I talked to people and you know, oh you know you host a book review podcast or, oh you read a lot of books blah 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 well, yeah I do and they go oh how come you don't write and it's something I try to do from time to time it's something I'd like to do but you know I was halfway through this book where the thought occurred to me is the reason I don't write is because I can't write like DB Cox and that's really my kind of summation on how I felt about it on the custom mercy. Wow. I um I've got a couple quotes that I want to drop. There's there's plenty that I highlighted, but there's just a couple that uh, I just really enjoyed that I didn't want to not I didn't want to leave them out. Uh, the first one's just really quick. It's uh, I watched them drop like unstrung puppets dead before they hit the ground, um, which I just thought was pretty neat. And this next one's actually from that story, Obtaining Mercy. Uh, the kid stands in the doorway with his head slightly bowed. Pale and skinny, with jet black hair and dark eyes that shine like drops of oil. Man, that's just good stuff. It is. So again, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Unaccustomed Mercy. Much like Cienfuegos, it's a book you will find yourself going back to um, and reading again and really enjoying it. Um, you can purchase that from Amazon.com. Um, you can look up Unaccustomed Mercy or um, D.B. Cox, C-O-X. Um, as the author, uh, I will say this, it comes up as temporarily out of stock, which is cool. But if you click on the link below that says, um, you know, a couple new from uh, $9, you'll be purchasing those directly from Mr. Cox himself, which is probably a better way to go. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And if that wasn't enough cool stuff about D.B. Cox, he was nice enough actually to send us a recording that he did of an old blues song called pretty woman. So we're going to set that at the end of the episode. We would have put it as the intro to the episode, but we like to keep those pretty short. So uh, I wanted to be able to put the whole thing on there. Uh, so listen to that uh, at, the, at the end of the show. 
All right. Um, that wraps up two book reviews this week. Pretty cool stuff, both of them. Absolutely. Short, short stories are really, really growing on me, and a lot of that has to do with uh, <laughs> a lot of it has to do with these two guys. Yeah, you were in the beginning, in the very beginning when we first started book. Livius was um, not against short stories. I don't think he was ever against short stories, but I think the if I had pitched to him the idea of talking about two collections of short stories in the first few episodes, he would have probably just started his own podcast. Um, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to hell with Rob Dutt podcast or something like that. That's, that's right. Um, yeah, I you know I've I've read short stories you know for years, but I've only found a couple of authors that that I really thought were standout short story um, writers, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe I was looking at big names for short stories. I mean, you know, I was like reading Stephen King short stories, and they always kind of came off as meh. You know, some of them were good, some mm-hmm. were okay. It just I just couldn't really wrap my mind around them as great stories. And the more I discover these guys that are, that are like just ready at the surface to like kind of break through to the big time, I'm just finding a lot of really, really high quality stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to finding, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm very much the same way where I haven't really had until the recent, you know, last couple of years, the exposure to good short story writing. So, um, yeah, looking forward to finding more really good authors like this. Are there any are there any just kind of bigger name authors that you like short stories from that you can think of off the top of your head? To be completely honest, I, I I've read shorts here and there by um uh well Kurt Vonnegut had some. I've gone a long time without mentioning Kurt Vonnegut, so uh Vonnegut's Fair. got some really good short stuff. Um there's a couple of Chuck Palahniuk's short stories that I really enjoyed. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there's some of those. Uh Guts. <laughs> I didn't read Guts yet. I'm going to have to read that just to spite uh, Sean P. Yeah. Ferguson. Um, yeah, I found him here and there. And uh, most of the time, it's just um, authors that I'm a completist. And if I read an author, I like to read all their stuff. Uh, if I just I can't go to those, like, America's Best Short Story, one of those, I, those typically just suck. And I think that's why we were so repelled from the idea in the beginning was because like you buy an anthology and I know we've said this, you know, over and over again, then like 40% might be good. Usually it's like 15 to 20% are good. And the rest of it is just like, you know, filler crap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah it's tough yeah, to find good stuff. The only one I could think of off the top of my head, Andrew Vax, um, who hopefully in the coming year will be reviewing one of his books as soon as he releases. I'm going to convince you to read some of his stuff. The only author I could think of just just across the board that I read short stories from and could find fault with, like, just none of them. So. Here's one for you. And you're probably going to just get mad at me for saying this. I'm, but I'm rolling my eyes already before right. you say <laughs> I'm glad you did the pre-roll. But uh, Edgar Allan Poe is a classic. He has a lot of short stories that are fantastic. Hey, while we're on the subject of short stories, though, I did read if anybody um, – if anybody <laughs> – if anybody listened to the well, well, well into like hour two of the of the zombie extravaganza spectacular, um, Amanda Gowan mentioned uh, the Judge's House by Bram Stoker. So of course I went right to Amazon. That was easy to find because it's way out of copyright, and I pulled it down onto my uh, onto my Kindle and read it probably the day after we recorded that episode. And that was a really good, really good horror short story for something that was written, you know, a hundred years ago. 
hey, here's an idea I had right now while we're talking. Anybody that's listening, if you've read some standout short stories that we haven't mentioned, you've never heard us mention, why don't you let us know about them? And uh, maybe we can talk about them on the show or, or, you know, we can just share them on Facebook or something like that so we can start uh, getting all these good stories out to more people. I like that idea. Yeah, you know, it's a community thing. I like the community feel. There you go. It's a, it, it takes a village. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you want to move on to our other topics, our miscellanea? Absolutely. Miscellanea? All right, so here's some other things that are going on in the literary world. Blasted Heath uh, is a new press that's coming out, and it's kind of interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about that. They should be launching on November 1st, just in a couple days here. They're going to be ebook exclusive novels, uh, and they're launching with five novels um, right off the top, including All the Young Warriors by Anthony Neal Smith, which I'm looking very much forward to reading. Talking about Anthony Neal Smith's book, All the Young Warriors, I happened to wander over to his website uh, recently, and the most recent post on his website is about a five-minute clip of him actually doing a reading from the book. So uh, I'll post a link to that because I, I, I flipped through it a little bit, and it looks pretty cool. It's a little bit creepy because it's just him kind of in black and white, almost in the dark. <laughs> and yep. He's reading his own book, but it's cool. I'll make sure I link to that. <laughs> I pictured that's how you look during our first uh, few podcasts. If we, uh, if we had, <laughs> do you in a closet in the dark? <laughs> that's exactly it. You know what Anthony <laughs> Neal Smith needs to do? More self-promotion. I agree. Like you stumbled onto it on his webpage. You just turned on Twitter and that's so. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know true. I tried you to know make what? it sound like I took some initiative and really, yeah, Neil does all the walking for us. He's like I'll, the yellow pages. I'll be honest, you know, with most other people, if I had to endure that kind of thing, I'd turn it off. But he's so goddamn funny about it most of the time that I don't, <laughs> I don't even find it like obtrusive. Yeah. So anyway, some other cool things from Blasted Heath. I'm going to read uh, the launch titles for you here. Um, obviously, there's All the Young Warriors by Anthony Neal Smith, Dead Money by Ray Banks, Phase 4 by Gary Carson, The Long Midnight of Barney Thompson by Douglas Lindsay, and The Man in the Seventh Row by Brian Pendray, I think. Pendray, sorry if I'm butchering that, Brian. Um, the other cool thing about it is not only... Um, are they launching with the with the digital downloads? But they're uh, they're launching a box set now. You may ask yourself, how exactly are they doing a box set if they're all digital? You can purchase a thumb drive with all five of the stories on it uh, on a branded USB stick. It says uh, it says Blasted Heath on the front of it, uh, and it comes in a little presentation pack. So very very cool. Um, that contains all the file formats you could need to read it on any device. So there's EPUBs and Mobis and PDFs and whatnot. Um, so DRM free, you can read it on any devices. I mean, they've really taken the hassle out of buying an ebook, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I got to give it up. I mean, it's been a weird last year or two for for ebooks in general, and and I have this is the most I've seen someone take initiative, I guess, in in being creative with using ebooks, and and um, they're really enthusiastic about it. I got to love the the enthusiasm that they have for for digital formats and, and its versatility and stuff like that. 
Yeah. The other cool thing is I was reading one of uh, an interview with one of the guys from Blasted Heath and he had said, yeah, like giving an ebook is a great idea until you have to just hand someone like an email with like a download code on it as a gift. <laughs> so if you're looking to buy, you know, five books for somebody with a custom, you know, USB drive as, you know, kind of a collector's item, kind of nifty little thing. And I suppose after you move those onto your computer, you could probably use that USB drive for regular file storage, too, if you really wanted to. But uh, it's kind of a really neat idea. You put it on your bookshelf and just stick it in between other books. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being kind of goofy. <laughs> Everybody's used to it. It's cool. It's true. So, yeah, head over to blastedheath.com. Right now they've got a little uh, little intro video where it talks about their philosophy on ebooks, uh, a bit of a countdown to the launch of, the, of their books and everything, when they're launching everything. And uh, you can sign up. Uh, it looks like you sign up for... A newsletter, uh, get a chance to get a free copy of Douglas Lindsay's book, The End of Days. It's a novella. So a couple of cool things you can do there. BlastedHeath.com. It's got a picture of that presentation pack that Livius mentioned, which is the first time I'm seeing it, and it looks really awesome <laughs> now that I'm looking at it. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing more more from us about Blasted Heath and the stuff they got coming out uh, in the upcoming episodes. Okay, and another new and noteworthy thing. I, I think that we wouldn't be a legitimate pot, book podcast if we didn't mention the fact that Steve Jobs' biography came out. And I say that not because it's Steve Jobs and everybody should care who he is, but just because it's such a big sensation right now. Practically any news source that you see is talking about the death of Steve Jobs and subsequently the biography that just came out. I believe it was uh, at the beginning of this week. Uh, I read an article about it. I thought, I didn't really know what to expect from it. You know, uh, I hadn't really heard, I hadn't heard much about it in advance, but I read an article about it today, earlier today, and it seems like it's very candid. It's a very candid look at his life, the good things about him, the bad things about him, and a lot about the development of Apple products and his feelings on people, good feelings, bad feelings, his relationships with some big names, you know, obviously Bill Gates and a bunch of others. So if you're interested in Steve Jobs as a person or just really interested in hearing more about, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes kind of mechanics of Apple and the things that happened when it became one of the most valuable companies of you know the world right now. It seems like this would be a pretty cool book to read. One caveat, it's almost 660 pages long. Now that's a non-fiction book, right? <laughs> yes, it's a non-fiction book. Yeah, I can't do it. All right. Which is good because my books, my personal book reading list is piling up quite heftily. Yeah, we're going to have to do something about that. Livius, Livius, what do you got for me about Spotify? Spotify. If you're not familiar with Spotify, Spotify is a service that launched uh, a couple months ago here in the United States. It allows you to stream music to your computer um, for free, and there's a time limit. I think it's like 15 or 20 hours or something a month. But you can just like look up an artist and, and listen to a, a playlist of them. Uh, you may ask what that has to do with a book review podcast. Well, interestingly enough, um, shortly after we did the Night Circus uh, review, I was poking around on the Internet and reading some stuff about uh, Aaron Morgenstern, the author, and found that there was a Spotify playlist of hers um, in something that Spotify is doing called uh, it's called Spotify Playlists for Writers. And that, I mean, I guess it depends on what the writers submit, but um, in her case, there are songs that she feels, uh, you know, that are, are 
kind of follow the flow of um, of the book. So you know, I went through and, and listened to them one night, and uh, can't say I disagree with Mrs. Uh, with Miss Morgenstern. So I'm going to read you a few available. Um, both Knopf and Doubleday have signed onto this Spotify playlist thing. What that means, I don't know. If they're writing it into contracts that their authors need to <laughs> supply playlists, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read you some of these. And some of these are weird because I'm fairly certain some of these authors aren't using Spotify, and you'll see what I mean um, in just a moment here. So um, Haruki Mar, I always have a problem with this Murakami. Um, has a novel playlist that are uh, songs that appear in some of his different uh, in some of his different books. Um, Anne Patchett has an opera playlist. Uh, Thomas Pinchon, the Inherent Vice playlist, and, and then it starts to get a little weird, like the Keith Richards memoir playlist, the Henry Miller classical playlist, and like the James Joyce classical playlist. So I don't know if those are songs that are just taken from their books or if somebody else thought they were fitting, but there's definitely some. Um, current writers submitting their own thoughts and then apparently uh james joyce throwing in some music too not sure how they did that one <laughs> anyway it's kind of interesting so i mean if one of those authors so for example if you were to read uh haruki murakami's new novel which i think is called one q84 you know that might be something you put on in the background uh, and listen to while you're reading but definitely check out Spotify either way. It's a great way to uh, share playlists with your friends, you know, find out what your friends are listening to, get recommendations for, for new music. It's pretty cool stuff. One, um, while you were talking about that, I, it occurred to me that I had heard about uh, something similar in the past, and uh, it was from an author, and I didn't want to admit that this was the first place that I heard this. Uh, and then I realized it wasn't. So <laughs> my original thought was um, the first time I'd heard about an author having kind of a playlist or, or music inspired by or music that inspired the book was Stephanie Meyer who was very vocal about the music that she was listening to when she was writing her books, but I didn't want to give her any credit for anything, obviously <laughs> because I'm an asshole about Stephanie Meyer. But then I realized that um, obviously before uh, that I had heard about house of leaves and the music that was inspired um, that Poe did inspired by or kind of concurrently with house of leaves or however that shakes out. So house of leaves went there first, but Stephanie Meyer was the, was the memory that I had that, that kind of stuck out more. It, you know, you started talking about that and I thought you were going to go for the house of leaves and you went for Stephanie Meyer and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to just slam him with house of leaves. And <laughs> when he's like, right when he's done with the state, like I, I'm ready to pounce. And you're like, but I realized the first time, um, I think he wrote some of that stuff with her. Um, Mark Danielewski, um, with his Poe as his sister, if everybody doesn't know that, and that's how that whole thing came to fruition. So um, I've heard some of it. God, it's pretty awful. Yeah, well, a book like House of Leaves, I'd have to imagine that some of the ideas and the feelings would be really tough to translate to listenable music. Yeah, they should have just done a lot of (laughs) hip-hop. Wow. Johnny from the block. That's That's right. Hip-hop, right? I don't even know. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. So. That's terrible. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another thing that's notable more for us than anybody else uh, that might be listening to this, but I think I figured I'd bring it up, was, was something interesting because we have a podcast, and I found out about something called Pod Books. It seems like it's something that was uh, that came about kind of with cooperation between Kevin Smith, who has built somewhat of a podcast empire and um some other folks they they dreamed up pod books and essentially what it is it's a 
any it looks like it's kind of it's in its infancy right now there's not very much to their website but uh it looks like podcasters can cooperate with this this company and uh either transcribe their their episodes and have them printed in a book or actually the pod books company can transcribe your stuff for you and print them out in a book kevin smith's got you know a couple dozen books right now and uh it's just for me it was a it was an interesting perspective on the medium that we're using because i think that the mobility of podcasts and and the availability with streaming internet and stuff has, has really brought it back into the forefront but now he's putting them in books and in a way I can see how that would be cool and in another way I can see how it just seemed useless but for me personally something like our warmed and bound sessions I think having all of those interviews together in one one kind of printed book format might be kind of neat so I can see how it would be cool like I said kind of in its infancy so I'll kind of keep an eye on it and if anything cool happens with it I'll definitely keep you guys up to up to date on that but it seemed like a neat neat thing that i don't think a lot of people have heard about so i felt like mentioning it it is kind of interesting you know you mentioned it to me earlier today and i kind of thought meh my first thought was (laughs) man you know we probably sound pretty bad on the podcast can you imagine if someone's actually trying to read like our (laughs) thought processes like how horrible that would be yeah but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it would be kind of a cool keepsakey kind of thing. And and I'm th- I, I'm almost thinking that, I mean, yeah, completists might buy Kevin Smith's podcast, but I think it's more for the podcasters to buy them and own them themselves. Yeah, that's one of the things that when I was looking at the website, they have this little form you fill out if you're interested in, in getting your podcast turned into books. And one of the questions was like, do you want other people to be able to buy it? And you have an option to say, no, I just want to be able to buy it myself. So I think you're dead on with that. Um, and I wonder what the cost of something like that is. Well, looking at Smith's books that he's got available right now, it looks like they're charging 20 bucks for hardcovers and 13 for for soft covers. But see, here, here's the thing, though. They already did the transcribing. That's what Those I was imagine. Transcribing is so, probably really expensive. So I'm thinking we send in an episode, they're going to tell us it's like 80 bucks to do the transcribing, and then you can buy the books for 13 bucks a piece or, or whatever. I don't, you know, but yeah, yeah the, that initial one I'm sure is, has carries a much heavier price tag. That's true. Anyway, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. And it's one of those things where it's like a brand new concept. I haven't heard of anybody else doing this. So like we might be two years from ago saying, you know, Hey, remember when we heard about this and no one heard about it now it's everywhere. Or we could be saying, do you remember that pod books thing where failed after three weeks and no one ever talked about it again? We'll see. Well, like let's get this in a book. And then like when they Google fail. Buzz. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Google Buzz. <laughs> yes, exactly like Google Buzz. <laughs> Google Wave. You remember how that was going to be the coolest thing ever? Yeah, it's... I mean, we, we nearly like fist fought people for like invitations to Google Wave. Mm-hmm. Remember, um, Dan had that uh, that contest going where you had to make a YouTube video doing something to get it in. <laughs> in it. <laughs> uh, do you remember how many? Um, it was a pretty successful contest. Do you remember how many entries he had for that? I think there was one. No, there was zero. Yeah, all right. I was trying to be I was trying nice, to give it. Yeah. <laughs> Help Dan save a little face, but no, there was zero. 
Speaking of Dan and the Fat Nate podcast, are the rumors true? Might you be making a guest appearance on another podcast? Uh, what? Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention this. It's just like a noteworthy book thing that's going on. But Friday, the 28th of October, which would probably be the day that this episode goes up, The Rum Diary is a movie that's coming out in theaters based, obviously, on Hunter Thompson's first novel of the same name. And Fat Nate being a movie review podcast, when I found out that Rum Diary was coming out, I half-jokingly said, hey, this is the episode that I'm going to guest on. And then uh, didn't really think much of it until Dan the other day was asking me what my schedule was like for the, <laughs> for this week. And I was like, oh, I guess that's actually happening. So uh, we'll see. It looks like maybe I'll be on the Fat Nate podcast talking about uh, a book that I haven't read in like seven years. <laughs> see how that goes. I do. I'm actually excited to hear you on Fat Nate. Yeah. It'll be a double double dose of Rob for listeners uh for listeners this uh this coming week if that actually comes to fruition. If if that does happen, here's how I see it going down. If that, if that happens, I'm buying a odd <laughs> book of it. <laughs> Good. Very buy me podcast. a copy. Can I just submit this these other people's podcasts cuz I want a book of this. Uh, if if I do end up going on that show, I just picture both of them just making fun of me the entire time, and me it's being gotta very be bitter. Like this show, but with two people, pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they'll make me edit it and do crazy explosion noises and stuff. I'm still waiting for explosions. <laughs> We've got way, way, way off track. <laughs> well, I think that's all the new and noteworthy that I've got uh, right now. You got anything else? Um, no, I was going to talk about our next episode though. Great, let's do that. All right. We are so cutting edge that we're not even committing to anything for our next episode. You're just going to have to tune in and find out what it is. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's our way way of saying we have several things in the works, and we're waiting for some information from here and some stuff from there. So we're not really sure what what kind of order we're going to do our next few, well, our next couple episodes in anyway. So I will say this. Livius and I have been talking about uh, some different ideas that we're having. We're coming up with some new ideas for for different formats of shows and 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 themes and stuff like that. And the ideas that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks are really really cool, at least for me. So I'm hoping that uh, if if everything comes together well, we'll be giving you some really interesting content in the upcoming few weeks. Yes. Do uh, you want to tease anything or just leave it hanging like that? We may. We may may be doing um something see here's what happens <laughs> rob falls in love with like a, a concept title <laughs> and then we have to figure out something to do around it so at some point it struck him that there that we should have something called a 50 50 episode <laughs> i'm just teasing rob rob does like his names um you asshole and i mentioned earlier how i'm falling behind on like my own personal reading list and you know we try to incorporate some of the things we want to read into the show obviously things we look forward to but you know there's series that you know are three four books in and you know i haven't read some of them or rob hasn't read any of them or we just don't want to review something that's the fourth book in a series because it didn't go over really well with the uh soon to be missing from the internet first couple of of episodes (laughs) that that we did of our podcast um so we're uh, considering doing something called 50 50 episodes where we don't read the same book we uh we're going to try to do two different books so that may be coming up in the near future so rob would review a book and i would review a book and we'd probably make fun of each other for the books we chose to read absolutely and then another thing that's a, a concept that's in its infancy and i'm just going to refer to it very generally is the idea of doing um essentially genre intro episodes 
So uh, there's a lot of genres out there that are very specific, and um, we thought it'd be cool as an idea just to maybe bring on someone who's more of an expert in the genre and talk about some of the notable stories or books in that genre. And uh, we thought it'd be cool just to do an intro to people who haven't uh, seen something before and maybe were interested in it but didn't know where to start. So keep an eye out for that, too. That sounds like it's going to be probably our best idea ever, and it was mine. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> it, yeah, it was yours, and I, I really, really like the idea. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I think that's as much as we could talk about ourselves. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else we could talk about tonight. Yeah. Hey, where would people find out what these other episodes are that are that are coming up and when they get released? If only there was a way. If only there was a social, a website that was kind of... Okay, uh, if you want to get more information about us... Recently, the best way to do that is Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash podcast and check us out there. We're constantly updating that with, uh, you know, articles that we've read or what's coming up or, you know, things like that. So definitely like us on Facebook and follow what we're doing there. You can also go to Twitter, which we don't use as much lately, but obviously that's a great resource. It's uh, at Booked Podcast on Twitter. You can always go to bookedpodcast.com and see what we've got going on. I'd like to give you a little preview of what's coming up in the upcoming weeks. And uh, if you want to send us any hate mail, that's uh, podcast at gmail.com. Very cool. We don't know where you're listening to the show, but here are some of the places you could potentially be listening. You can catch it right on our website that Rob just mentioned. Um, you can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, Zune, BlueberryPodcast.com. I think that's it. Or you can use like a general podcatcher, I guess, for your, like, your phone and listen. Listen on Stitcher. I like Stitcher. Yeah, You could... Um, you could hang out outside one of our windows while we're recording this and, and get at least half of it. We don't record in the same room. He says that because nobody <laughs> took him up on to come over to his house and he'll drive you around in his car and play episodes for him. I'm going to give that a little while to marinate. It was only last week, so yeah, someone might take me up on it. Very true. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Here's some DB Cox for you. Keep reading. <laughs>